So we look at 2 Timothy, verses 14 through 26. Listen to the word of God. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are too. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Avoid profane chatter, for it will lead people into more and more impiety, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hemius and Philetius, who have swerved from the truth by claiming that the resurrection has already taken place. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are many utensils, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special use, some for ordinary. All who cleanse themselves of the things that I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated and useful to the owner of the house, ready for every good work. Shun youthful passions and pursue righteous faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth that they may escape from the snares of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts that through your word proclaimed, we may encounter you, the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you were thinking as I was talking to the kids, but... We all have memories of words that were shared with us or thrown at us when we were young children, right? There was a movie, I think it came out in 1990. It's, it's an old movie, and uh, I, you know, I, I haven't watched it for years, but there is, there's something about this movie. I don't know if it was a good movie or not, but there's certain themes that always stuck with me. And the movie was Flatliners. There's a very young Kevin Bacon in it, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts. And it's a science fiction thriller. And they're medical students. I guess there's uh, Oliver Platt is in it as well, one of the Baldwins, all right? And uh, (laughs) they play these young medical interns, doctors, I'm not sure where they're at, residents, where they're at in their study. But they start experimenting with uh, after-life experiences. In other words, they, they kill each other. They, they kill each other on an operating table they've set up, and then they bring them back to life. And what happens is why uh, the one, uh, Keith, I think it was Keith or Sutherland, wanted to experiment with this, and he had this horrific vision of a childhood friend. Um, and then subsequently, different ones have different visions. Um, Kevin Bacon has his vision of a girl they used to pick on, he bullied, on the school bus. 
And after they have this initial after-death and after-life experience, they're haunted by these visions. So the one young man is getting beaten up by this kid. Um, another person is haunted by a former love affair. But Kevin Bacon keeps being haunted by this girl from his grade school. She'll show up like he's on a bus and he'll have a hallucination of her. She wakes him up from his sleep. So finally he goes and finds her as an adult. There's a fairly poignant scene where she has a daughter who's about the same age as she was when Kevin Bacon's character taunted her. And he says, I'm, I'm what you know, I'm sorry for what I did. And the actress is so good because she's staying calm, but you can see in her face the memory of being made fun of. And she forgives him. And his hallucinations stop. Isn't that a powerful image of both what scars do to us? Things maybe a teacher said, a coach, maybe someone who should have been better to you, whose job was to be better to you, but they weren't able to do it. Most of us are haunted by things that were said to us. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are people out there who are haunted by things we said to them. Or maybe things that we should have said that we never did. Paul is giving Timothy a bunch of advice here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a man who knows maybe his time is limited. You know, he's in prison in Rome. And so it's almost like a stream of conscience telling uh, everything you want to tell somebody in a short amount of time. Uh, you know, one of the things I did, it's weird. I, I'm not, I don't believe in premonitions, but years ago I had, a, um, I had to go to Europe for something. I don't remember even what this trip was. It may have been, I don't remember. But it was funny. I woke up, I had to dream that my plane crashed. Okay, all right. So I started writing. <laughs> now, I don't know, you know, I, I, I mean, if I believed in premonitions, I'd have canceled the flight, but I didn't. But because I wasn't totally sure, I started writing, <laughs> I started writing notes to each of my sons. And, and maybe one of the best things that ever I realized as a parent, okay, and I'm, I'm, I was a flawed parent, as all of us are, but as I started writing things down, I realized everything I was writing down, I'd already said to them. I didn't have anything I, I, didn't have anything I needed to say to them that I hadn't said to them. Right? Now, again, um, if you're wondering what happened, the plane did not crash. All right? okay, I'm here, right? But, but there are things that we should have said that we didn't say. But there are things also that should never be said. And, and Paul is kind of, kind of rambling here a little bit, but he, a lot of it is about words, right? If, if you, there's a stream through this whole passage where it's about words. There's like do's and don'ts. He says, don't avoid wrangling over words, which does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. Okay. 
I was thinking about your announcement, Steve, and you and I have been, in our lifetimes, we've been to a lot of church meetings. Right. And, and I'm wondering, uh, when I see this passage, stop wrangling over words. I'm, I'm remembering a lot of meetings I've been a part of, okay? And you throw in academic meetings, which may be even worse, all right? A lot of, lot of wrangling over words. I was on a national task force um, about the Middle East. <laughs> That's pretty simple, right? Uh, and uh, I, we were on this conference call, and we argued over a preposition. We were supposed to come up with a, a statement. And I literally, we argued over a preposition, preposition for 45 minutes. Fortunately, the chair of the commission, she was a wise person. She says, we're not going to do that again. So we, we got together, okay? And even when we got together, there was all this arguing. There was kind of this arguing because it was a very divided issue. But one of the things we found is we finally started eating together. And we decided we're not going to... Uh, we had meals together and we did some recreational things together. And it wasn't until we established relationship that we, we stopped wrangling over words. We were able to come up with a statement that was useful. Um, what he, Paul says to do is to rightly explore the words of truth. Okay. There are words that are wordsmithing that will only ever divide us, right? Probably one of the greatest things we can figure out with each other is, you know what, we just don't need to have that discussion. right? There are certain subjects we will not bring up or do not need to bring up. I think to be a good family member, to be a good partner, to be a good parent, to be a good son and daughter, you spend a lot of time biting off your lower lip, right? Or biting your tongue. You hold that, right? But there's something good about that. But there's also time to speak the right words. And Paul's saying, rightly explain the words of truth. There are words in our faith that really matter. And we need to share those with each other. And then he says, avoid profane chatter. Okay? All right. And I love this. And, and it'll spread like gangrene. Okay? Remember, there was no penicillin in the time of Paul, right? So gangrene means you most likely die, right? Now, when you think of profane chatter, you know, the first thing probably comes to your mind is coarse jokes or foul language, Okay? But the Bible talks a lot about maybe the most dangerous profane chatter, and that is gossip, which is a problem in every human organization. <laughs> I was in one church where if we wanted to get information out informally, we just told one person. It was quicker than the Internet, I swear. We could get, we could get all that out. All right, now that's kind of fun, but we've all been victims of what gossip can do. I remember having, I learned this from a couple wise pastors and uh, who uh, I was able to work with uh, in various functions and one of them said to me if someone comes, if you're in a new church and someone comes to you and speaks ill of your predecessor okay, most likely in a few months they're going to be saying things about you as well. Okay? <laughs> Actually I found that to be true. And another person said, be careful about, in the name of information, that you don't fall into gossip. And I, and I, and I remember I started a church, I was a young pastor, 
And someone came into my office, and someone who should have known better, and said, would you like to know about the different people in our congregation? And I remember those wisdom from that person. I go, no. No, I don't, you don't need to. I'll, I'll let me discover things for myself. That, was, that, was, that would have been unhelpful talk, right? What if to me, and I, this is not original to me, but how do you determine what's the difference between gossip and helpful talk? Okay. Well, if sharing what the person is sharing is part of the solution, then that can be helpful talk. All right. For instance, I can't help people that I don't know it's happening, right? I can't help you if I don't know what's going on in your life. So sharing that is a good thing. So if it's redemptive, if it's part of the solution, it's not, it's not gossip. It's not profane chatter. And instead of um, sharing things that aren't helpful, Paul says, let everyone who calls on the name call on the name of the Lord. In other words, are there things that we say that really lifts up the name of Christ? In that same church, a bit of helpful device, advice, uh, it was all the same week. It was the first week I was there, and all these people were coming to see me. And I remember after this man who left, who wanted to give me gossip on the congregation, uh, a wise woman came in and she said, Bill, I want to tell you something. Everything they told you about this church, I go, yeah. She goes, it's worse. And, and she's actually right about that. <laughs> but she wasn't saying it because she was going to be mean. She said, okay. And then she said, and I'll help you if you want me to, to make things better. And she was a great worker. So... To say things that lift up the Lord are things that lift up other people, right? This, the kind of language that Paul is saying here, you know, try to lift your talk. Don't get drugged down into the mud, okay? We have an opportunity as Christians to, to change our talk, okay? We have an opportunity, like Miss Nee, my third grade teacher, to give people new senses of identity, I mean, it's a powerful thing when a little sister shares that her big sister told her that she loved her. That matters. That's a beautiful thing. You're doing something right. (laughs) Those kids, it's a beautiful thing. We have an opportunity every time we're together to give each other little gifts that can make a difference. It's interesting, Paul throws out a bunch of virtues here. He calls us to live righteousnessly, you know, to live a righteous life, to share faith, love, peace. He's trying to help Timothy. (laughs) He says, you know, don't be quarrelsome, but be kindly to everyone as an apt teacher. Be patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. Okay, now... Good luck with correcting opponents, right? That's a hard thing to do, right? No one wants to be corrected. But it's important to understand that if we really care, we do get involved in people's lives. I remember uh, a friend of mine um, coming to me one time years ago and said, Bill, you know, you're really wrong about this. And... You know, I was taken back. I said, well, who are you? Yeah. But I knew that he loved me, right? I knew that he cared about me. And so that was I, it's something I, I really probably 
remembered it because it was over 20-some years ago. It, it was something that began to make me look at some things in my life that maybe I wasn't looking at. I mean, we all start from this privileged position thinking that we're right. I had someone tell me one time, and it was after a church meeting, I think, and said, Bill, you always think you're right. I go, well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it was right, all right? <laughs> you don't pay me to come up here and say, hey, let's do this because it's a bad idea, right? But right, So there's, we, we don't go around thinking, okay, I'm going to hold on to this very harmful, false idea. That's not, that's not how we think, right? We, we generally believe that we're right. The danger is we tend to listen to things that reaffirm you know, our own opinions and positions, and that's part of the trouble we have in our current country. It's part of the problem we have you know, in our denomination as well. We tend to gravitate to people who agree with us, and then we tend to denigrate or ostracize or make other those who disagree with us. And part of the good thing about being a family of faith is there is an opportunity for us to care enough about each other to share the hard word sometime. My one son was talking about one of my other sons which actually happens all the time, all right? And, and it's an interesting role to be an adult parent, those of you who, who are doing that. You're kind of more like, uh, I don't know, when they were younger, I was more like the staff sergeant. Okay, now I'm kind of like a referee, all right, with no, with no power, <laughs> right? <laughs> interesting thing. But one of my sons was, was probably justifiably upset with one of the other ones, uh, and, and he, I listened, and I said to him, he said, what do you think I should do? I said, I think you should be merciful. And what's interesting, he had, the day before, had thanked me for, for showing him mercy. All right, so there's a sense where those words of, I don't even know they're correction, but sometimes telling somebody something they may not want to hear is an act of love. Um, there's a new movie coming out. There's a movie based on Mr. Rogers. Uh, have you seen the advertisement? Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers. And uh, I have to admit, Mr. Rogers was my sister, my younger sister, watched Mr. Rogers. And, you know, as a 10-year-old boy, there's hardly anything attractive about Mr. Rogers for a 10-year-old boy, right? It was just, and there was only one TV, so it was just, you know, I, uh, why are we watching this? Or why are you watching this? And matter of fact, I actually, as a uh, youth director, we did a skit uh, where I played Mr. Rogers, and so I had great, great fun making fun of him. But one of the things that is interesting to me about this, the movie, and, it's, and the advertisement says, a movie for our time, okay? And I think it may absolutely be right. Because he, he was a remarkable person. Um, and here's one of his quotes that I think is, is worth sharing. Imagine what our real neighbors would be like if each of us offered, as a matter of course, just one kind word to another person. There have been so many stories about the lack of courtesy, the impatience of today's world, road rage, and even restaurant rage. Sometimes all it takes is one kind word to nourish another person. Think of the ripple effect that can be created when we nourish someone. 
One kind, empathetic word has a wonderful way of turning into many. You stop and think about the life of Jesus. How many people's lives were changed by one word or a couple words? Yeah, I know you're a foul-mouthed fisherman, but come follow me. I know you've made a huge mistake, but neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Woman, she who has been loved, who she who has loved much has been forgiven much. She who forgives has been forgiven much, loves much. Thomas, here are my hands. Here are my side. Peter, once again, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Come follow me. Let's try this again. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Some of those words were not the gentlest of words, right? Some of them happened in horrendous times, but they were words that were based on love, and they were words that changed the course of not only those people's lives, but it's changed the course of all of history. And so, maybe the most powerful thing God has given us in this world is the opportunity to share his word with each other. And I'm not just talking about Bible, but the Bible is important, essential. But a word of patience, a word of gentleness, a word of love, a word of mercy, a word of forbearance, a word of, I know we don't agree here, but you are my brother, you are my sister. It's okay. It's going to be okay. God loves you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and proclaim what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. <laughs>